Welcome to the Exit Coach Radio Show, the show for baby boomer business owners who are looking for cutting-edge information as they plan their 3- to 10-year business succession and exit. Every week, we interview top professional advisors for their best tips, strategies, and precautions so you can be well-planned. And don't miss our one-minute Exit Coach tip of the day on ExitCoachRadio.com. And now, here's your host, the Exit Coach, Bill Black. Welcome, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us today. I'm very pleased to uh, to get into our show today. We have some great guests lined up, and one our first guest is returning uh, to us, and we're going to talk about how to eliminate mediocrity from your company, um, how to really establish a true meritocracy. Uh, he's been with us before. His name is Maury Schechtman, and Maury, welcome back. Thanks again for joining us. Glad to be back, Bill. Looking forward to talking with you. Same here, Maury. We talked a lot last time. It was a very interesting interview, and I look forward to expanding on that. Before we get into that, uh, you're the chairman of Fifth Wave Leadership in Kalispell, Montana. Tell us a little bit about how you started uh, get with that firm name, and what is the Fifth Wave of Leadership? The Fifth Wave is the level of cultural development we're at now, driven by information, that puts the emphasis on what people know about themselves, not about what they know about the rest of the world. Information has commoditized everything but self-information. So if you don't know why you do what you do and you're clueless about what your core values are, you're fail in this culture. And no matter how bright you are about technology and global economics, etc., that will not help you survive. So all the preceding four waves were about the rest of the world. The fifth wave, which is the wave I work in, is all about who you are and how well you know yourself. So that's what the fifth wave is. I got into business consulting from being, I'm a psychotherapist, from having a private practice in Chicago and seeing a lot of successful business people. And it was clear to me that they were very smart, very bright about business, but clueless about who they were themselves. So they held their own businesses back by being ignorant about why they did what they did. And I thought this would be a nice next step in my career, and it's proved to be very gratifying and very successful. It seems like, and one, I want to go back to one thing you said that was so interesting, um, that information has commoditized everything except self-information. I like that statement a lot. Did I get that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah you, you got it, yeah. Information okay. has commoditized even intelligence. So if your company has smarter people than the competition, they'll simply go out and buy their own smart people. Uh, information has mm-hmm. left nothing untouched, and I don't think most business leaders understand that. But the one thing that's untouched is the the why we do what we do, what's inside of us that drives us personally yeah. on our mission. And and that's fascinating. I think that's really incredible because uh, that comes from uh, an intro, introspection process, but the outcome is unknown because of the variables inside of you. Is that what that means? Yeah, yeah. And you can make them known by knowing yourself better. But if you don't know why you do what you do, you'll keep doing uh, counterproductive, outright stupid things and then wondering why I did that. Uh, let me give you a quick example. 
I was with a client last week, an uh, uh, elderly gentleman founded a very successful company, uh, and I sit in on the senior management meeting of his top 15 people. So what happened in that meeting, was, and it was, it was the second meeting, I think, and the first one was just a real quick one. What 15 people did was read to the chairman uh, information on paper that had been circulated before the meeting. And I just sat there dumbfounded, uh, and that took two hours of valuable time uh, mm. to sit have people report data that they could all have read or all could be on their intranet. And at the end of it, I said to all of them, uh, uh, why in the world do you do this? Do you know what a waste of time and effort and resources and money this is? And you know what they all said? That's what he wants. So I asked the, the chairman, the CEO, uh, why do you do this? Do you not see how bizarre this is? Uh, and he said, ah, I've always done it that way. Well, mm -hmm. you better look at why you keep doing that. Because this is wasting hundreds of thousands of dollars. These are all highly paid people sitting around like a bad college uh, classroom and reading stuff at people that they could read by themselves. So I see business owners and leaders do that every day. They do ridiculous stuff, and then they sit back, and unless I'm around to question them, they wonder why things are not improving more dramatically. That's, so that that is, uh, it, it makes a lot of sense. And, of course, um, it, in the name of tradition, um, a, a lot of things are done like that. And, unfortunately, we're, we're in an age, a day and age when things have to move that much faster. And there's just not that the same luxury of time. I mean, you don't wait for a letter to come anymore, right? So, <laughs> right. So right. it right. Makes, right. makes a lot of sense. It's more than it's more than uh, efficiency. Uh, uh, what, what what it is is qualitatively not recognizing how the cultures change. Any business owner who focuses on on the content of communication is a fool. Because right now content is secondary to context. So what I mean by that is is I can read how your salespeople are not doing very well. Anybody can do that. What I want to know is, why do you think they're struggling, and what's your action plan for changing their behavior? Now, if all I do is, is recognize that your results are not meeting my expectations, that's an exercise in profound stupidity and waste of time. The Internet has made sharing content ridiculously irrelevant. I can get that any time in seconds. Mm -hmm. so, so it really is saying, why do I keep doing things that have nothing to do with the culture I live in? And that's what a lot of business owners do. They're operating the business like it's 1960, right? not the 21st century. And when you come in and, and yeah. see this happening, what are some of the steps that you say have to happen or what are some of the tactics that, that you might say, look, the first thing we need to do is is identify this problem and, and move forward and we're going to do that by oh. doing what? Good good question. Uh, by doing two things. Number one, uh, no reports are to be read in the senior management meeting and everyone's results are to be electronically transmitted to every other member of the committee and the CEO. That, that's first of all. No one is allowed to summarize data 
in a meeting. Number two, everyone has to come to a meeting with an action plan for the people under them that are struggling the most and need the change. And that action plan will detail what are the changes this man or woman needs to make and how are you going to hold them accountable for making those changes. And everybody sitting around the table gets to chime in and critique your action plan. That's the beginning of how we work with the company. And that changes things immediately and qualitatively. Without doing well, that, why get people together? There's no justification in the age we live in for getting people to get together to do anything but action plans for their people. It's absolutely a criminal uh, to, to not do that. Because of the day and age that we're in and the information exchange, the ease of that information exchange and the fluidity of it, so uh, you're saying no one's allowed to summarize data in a meeting and right. everybody has to come with an action plan for a subordinate or someone, a, a report that they're, uh, that they're, they're mentoring, uh, working with to improve their performance in an area they're struggling. That's powerful. Yeah. Yeah, right. And, and that action plan has to have an element in it that says this is what this man or woman needs to change about who they are and how they impact other people. That's a key element in the action plan. Most people who work in companies these days are clueless about how they impact their, uh, their colleagues and their customers. Mm -hmm. They just don't know. I mean, I meet people every day who are salespeople, and I'm talking to them, and I'm 10 minutes into it, and I have to stop the conversation and say, are you aware that in 10 minutes you have not looked at me and have not established any eye contact? Do you know how hostile that is? Uh, and, and they say, wow, wait, no one's ever said that to me. Well, that's too bad that they didn't care enough to tell you that. But you, you, that's, that's absolutely criminal these days to talk to people for 10 minutes or more and never look at them. That's bizarre. Uh, <laughs> you know, another, uh, you know? And, and yet I see people business do it all the time. It's like they're looking over my shoulder. You know, and I've often asked business people, is there someone else in the room with us? Because you're looking over mm -hmm. my shoulder. There must be someone else here. So, uh, another thing people in business do is ask one question and then move on. The, the worst thing in developing relationship is to ask one question and then move on. That's a hostile gesture. So that mm -hmm. shows me that you're faking an interest in me. And that you know, then you look like a typical TV commentator, you know, who asks people psychotic questions and then moves on. Right, right. Yeah, there, you don't want to go deep into the content, and so it's like, it's as if you don't really care what the answer is going to be. You're just going through the motions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And all media now, interviews are are doing that. Now, Maury, um, you. You uh, gave us a couple tips last time, and I want to get a little deeper into those, if that's okay. Um, one of those is that you said recognize that all change is loss, good change as well as bad change, and always deal with the loss first. Right. Tell us, tell us, and you said there's a there's something damaging companies can do if they don't do, the, the way they do it. Usually is let's celebrate what happened well, and and that gets lost. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that one. 
Yeah, if you don't identify the losses in all change, and this is particularly important when you perceive the change as positive, you will leave the folks around you uh, pissed off and frustrated and with a feeling that you really don't care about them, that they're simply numbers. Because when you make a change in a company, you, you think the greatest things in sliced bread, everyone sitting out there in the audience is saying, wait a minute, this is going to screw up my life in terms of where my office is, where my commute is, who I'm going to interact with. A whole bunch of things are changing for them that are not the greatest things in the world. They're losses for them. Understand the number one drive in our life is to maintain what we're used to. That drives our behavior more than anything else. So even if we're getting something better, we're still giving up what we're used to, even if what we're used to was a crummy little office. If you don't recognize that, resentment builds up, and then you get people sabotaging the change. And all they do is go around and gripe and pick out stuff to whine about. And I see it uh, all the time. So you're missing a huge opportunity by not dealing with the losses first. I mean, we literally have created an exercise where if one of our corporate clients makes a significant change, we have people in every department take out a piece of paper and write down the three things that will be different for them as a result of the change and how they feel about those differences. It immediately clears the air, and then people can support the change. It, it's in tune with the the human the human emotion of of grieving something that changed, if you will, and then being able to put that aside and moving move on. But what you're saying is, if you don't take that step, then that the grief continues and turns into uh, uh, dis- discord. Yeah, yeah, it turns into unexpressed uh, anger and mm-hmm, unexpressed and, mm-hmm. and and sabotage. Yeah, yeah, it. it, it I mean, really, it's hard to get across to people that very positive change is much more disruptive than negative change. All you need to do is look at people who have been very successful very quickly and then go down into the toilet. And we see that in business, athletics, entertainment, everywhere. And in... in in the step, you're you're bringing people in and acknowledging that we recognize that this is going to be different for some of you, and in some cases, a hardship for for many of you. But uh, let's acknowledge that, and then we can get past that and move on, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let's acknowledge it, and and the leader needs to literally say to people, "I want to hear how you feel about this change. How's it going to impact you, and how do you feel about that?" And it's great that people say. You know what? I'm really pissed off about that. Uh, I don't. I don't like the fact that I've got to drive all over hell and gone now to get to work. Right? So maybe good for you. It's not good for me. And the worst thing leaders do when they hear that is try to make the person feel better. That's not their job. All you need to do is listen. Keep your mouth shut. Business owners overtalk everything, and one of the things they overtalk is people's sense of loss. You know, and, and they need to fess up to the fact that their lives are going to be very different, too. You know, when CEOs say to me, I want to really grow this company, I say, great, I can help you do that. As long as you recognize that every relationship you currently have in this company will be dramatically different, and many of them will disappear. 
Are you ready for that? Right. Understand, the first casualty of business growth is the inaccessibility of leadership. Mm. So don't grow a company if you want to be as accessible as you used to be to people because it ain't going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very, very good, very so good that, point. Now, let's... Yeah, yeah, that's very, very interesting and very, very well put. I mean, very clear for everyone. Now, let's talk about a couple of these others. You said um, uh, one of the other key tips is stop avoiding conflict because conflict avoidance is a form of dishonesty and it corrupts the values of a company. Right, right, right. And and you lose enormous opportunity to help people grow and and learn. You know, avoiding conflict is, is just one of the most destructive things companies still do and leaders of companies do. You're losing an opportunity to help someone dramatically increase their performance by by just telling them what they're doing is not working, not acceptable, and it needs to change. Okay? And and uh, we, we act like uh, we're going to end someone's world by doing that. No. We clarify someone's world. Right? Uh, and everybody does better as a result. People are not that fragile. Oh, they're pretty, right. pretty resilient. Yeah. So when you avoid conflict, you know that kind of dishonesty just corrupts a company. You know, and people don't don't you know see that very often. Is there? Well, I'm sure you have great techniques to to deal with conflict, and I don't know that we have time to get into that right now. But but. Um, Avoiding yeah. conflict is one thing. How you deal with conflict is quite another thing, and that's it's important to have right. a good methodology to, to address that conflict, I would imagine, right? Uh, yeah. Well, the methodology is fairly simple. Conflict is the expression of disappointment in a person. That, that's all it is. Uh, and it often gets confused with hostility, which is an attack on a person. So, this, you know, a healthy conflict simply means I'm real disappointed that you had a huge amount of information to share with that client and you kept your mouth shut for the whole meeting. That's really disappointing. Mm-hmm. I want you to look at why you would make that choice. Right? Because I'm disappointed. Mm-hmm. That's healthy conflict. Right? Uh, unhealthy conflict or hostility would be saying to someone, anytime I'm with you in a meeting, you screw it up. Okay? That's hostility and not helpful. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. there's not nothing someone can do if they screw up everything. Yeah. So and making sure you build in. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say, <clears throat> built into your built into your statement about why you're disappointed about the you know what the conflict is 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 the why the because because that part is so important to clarify uh, and and be constructive on the back end of it. Well, yeah, you're always, you always got to give people something specific to work on, uh, and that's where the growth uh, takes place. Yeah, I, I was I was uh, just writing, I'm working on another book now, and writing in there one one of the examples. Uh, I, I worked with an accounting firm, very successful accounting firm, beautiful office space, and the first time I walked in there to work with the managing partner. The, there was a, a you know attractive, articulate young lady at the reception desk, chewing gum like a pizza waitress. I mean, it was it was unbelievable and unbecoming of of the firm. Uh, and I so I met with the managing partner and I said, you know, one way we can work together right away is 
by looking at some of the things I noticed right away. Uh, how do you feel about your reception as chewing gum out, Cal? And he said, yeah, it kind of irritates me. Uh, you know, I don't know why she does that. Well, have you addressed it with her? Well, I've, I've hinted that she needs to be more professional. Okay? But have you mentioned the gum chewing? No, I, I really haven't. So we scripted his dialogue with her. And all he said to her was, I'm really disappointed that you're at the front desk of our very nice quarters, chewing gum like crazy. It's very unprofessional. And it needs to change. You you can't do that. Be our receptionist. You know, and you know, she took it. She said, "Well, I'm really sorry. I apologize. I didn't know it was that unprofessional, negative." And he'll stop immediately. And that was it. Okay, she stopped, and she's very presentable. Uh, and it was a real leap for the managing partner because he thought she'd be destroyed and melt down on the spot, and she wasn't. No. And it's that kind of thing. You know, every business owner ought to look at the things that irritate him or her that they never address. That's polluting the culture of the business when they don't do that. And great tips, Maury. Maury, yeah. it's always great to, to talk with you. You have such great insights, and we covered a lot of ground today. Unfortunately, we're running out of time, but you have two books out, Working Without a Net and Fifth Wave right. Leadership, both on Amazon. And, of course, you're available for keynote speaking and management retreats. And you can tell listeners the, the message that he brings is clear, uh, important information that can help your business. Maury, how do our listeners best get in touch with you? Uh, just shoot me an email, uh, Maury, M-O-R-R-I-E, dot Checkman, uh, S-H-E-C-H-T-M-A-N, at gmail.com. It's great to have you back on, and I, I, uh, I really enjoyed uh, – our conversation. I know we have a lot more to talk about, so I hope you'll join us again sometime very soon. Yep, be glad to. Good talking to you. Thanks, Marty. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back after this, so please stay with us. Business owners, if you came back from lunch and there was a resignation letter on your desk, which employee would you really, really not want it to be from? What are you doing to prevent this from happening? At Exit and Retirement Strategies, we design plans that attract, motivate, and retain key employees. For a free consultation, call Bill Black, the Exit Coach, at 866-370-3774. Call today. Does thinking about what will happen to your business if you're gone keep you awake at night? Will you get the price you need from your business to carry you through retirement? The BEI Network of Exit Planning Professionals is the world's leading advisor network with the power to help business owners transition out of business on their own timeline and terms. Ask your most trusted advisor to create a BEI plan for you or visit us at ExitPlanning.com. That's ExitPlanning.com. Thank you for listening to Exit Coach Radio. 